Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And this is part three, the third and final part of my story about my adventure recently into the wild, wild west. And of course, Lauren and I were driving back from California to our residence here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I wanted to take a measurement somewhere in California with the DT meter, the differential time rate meter, and I thought, you know, we could very easily stop by this old ghost town that's located up in the mountains called Calico and take a reading there. Wouldn't that be interesting? And so we planned our trip so that on the way back we could stop by Calico. Now, Calico was formed in the 1880s and it was formed because some local miners looked up at those mountains that they called calico colored and then went there and found so much silver that it became the largest silver producer in california in the mid 1880s so the town again was formed in the 1880s but uh, by the early 1900s it had dwindled because the price of silver had dropped and and they were mining silver among other things there but in the 1950s a developer came in bought the town and then did his best to restore it back to its original condition and so now this ghost town is a park owned by San Bernardino County and as I mentioned in my last podcast in 2005 it was proclaimed by then Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger as quote California's Silver Rush ghost town so we were pretty excited about going there Um, when you get to this exit which is just you know kind of in the middle of nowhere you drive down a road you see the word calico way up on top of a mountain and you go up to an entry gate and you pay the county eight dollars just to enter this ghost town eight dollars per person and it, the the town is only open every day from like nine to five or something like that and then of course once you get in there then there are other uh, attractions that you pay additional money for on a case-per-case basis. So we drove down the long road off of the interstate exit. We drove up into the mountains, went to the gate, paid our admission fee, got up there, got out of the car, and started walking around. Now, for one thing, the views there are pretty epic, big vast scenic eroded canyons and ridges as far as the eye can see pretty pretty darn cool um and then as you go walking through the town i mean immediately it has an eerie feeling because you know this is a legitimate ghost town it's very quiet you don't hear any music there weren't that many people there And all of these sort of worn, weathered buildings are around you. So uh, 
many of them are original. Uh, some are, I guess, recreations. But there are, are quite a few that are from the actual time period that you can walk into, and they're like little museums. So the whole thing has a spooky feeling to it. And so as we go walking around, taking pictures, I mean, there is this... Uh, cage outside of one of the buildings that has a skeleton sitting inside of it and so I guess that's supposed to represent what might have happened to somebody who was being publicly humiliated or something like that Um, but we came upon this original building which was a saloon called Lil's Saloon And so we walked into the saloon, and it had the typical swinging doors, and it really looked pretty fantastic on the inside. I mean, because it was just so historically accurate, at least in terms of what you would think is accurate. I mean, um, the, the bar itself has a big mirror behind it, and they will sell you various beers and and drinks on tap and they have a display of pistols and rifles on the wall and pictures lining the top of the room of all these old western figures gunfighters and stuff like that and so um it was pretty cool to me that you could actually walk into an old authentic saloon from the 1800s and order a beer just like they did in those days and so you know I went up to the bar and there was uh, an older fellow there working the bar and I ordered a beer called Mojave Gold because we're in the midst of the Mojave Desert here and he said, you want a small one or a big one? I said, I'll take a big one. This guy gave me the biggest cup of beer I think I've ever had in my life. And so, uh, and then Lauren ordered a sarsaparilla. So after that, we sat down. Here I am with this giant tub of beer. She's got her sarsaparilla we start you know sipping our beverages and talking about how cool it is that we can be in this old saloon in this ghost town and using our imagination with the aid of the beverages here uh, to take our minds back to what it may have been like to some degree you know to be there now when we walked into the saloon there were actually quite a few people there but um, it, it was going to take me a while to work on this jug of beer. So by the time I'd gotten about halfway through it, everybody had left. And it was just Lauren and myself in this saloon. Okay, Not even employees. I mean, uh, we, we were just like, well, we have this whole place to ourselves. So we start taking pictures of ourselves and everything and taking pictures of the saloon. It was really cool. I got some great video footage at some point. Maybe I'll edit this together and uh, do a little production. But um, at, at some point, a lady appeared who worked there. And uh, I think she was in her 70s. Because as it turns out, her husband, the one who poured the beer for me, 
uh, he was 74 and uh, I kind of walked up next to her and I decided okay I'm going to uh, I'm going to breach this subject uh, and I just said so do people really see ghosts around here not knowing what her reaction would be but she looked at me and her eyes brightened up and she said oh yeah oh there are lots of ghosts around here and I said really and she goes yeah she had long gray hair she said my husband and I have been working here for 30 years and she told me happily that there are shadow people that run from building to building all the time and many people have seen them in addition to that she said that she had for a while worked a little up the street at uh, the popcorn wagon where they have literally a popcorn wagon that's kind of built into the side of another cabin and uh, she was talking about you know strange things that had happened to her there and she said at one point she was working by herself and she just heard a man's voice behind her say hello and she turned around and all she saw was a shadow there and uh, she said that that happened to her a second time same thing the man says hello so she starts telling me about how haunted this place is then her husband emerges and uh he's 74 years old and he also was saying yes you know we we have had experiences there's no doubt about it not only here but at various homes we've lived in over the years and it was kind of funny because um this this fella who's 74 years old talked about how he to this day still likes to go into some of the old mines that are strewn i mean like there's like probably uh, hundreds of them holes they've dug he likes to go into some of these mines very very deep and he was telling us that uh, uh he was in a mine at one point and he looked over at the wall of the cave basically and it looked a little weird and it looked a little soft he saw it kind of wavering in a draft and he went over and touched it and realized that this was an old miner's shirt that was hanging there had been there apparently for you know a hundred years or whatever covered with so much dust and dirt that countless people had walked by it and never realized it was there and and so he got this shirt and he knocked all the dirt and dust off of it and took it out of there and uh, this particular shirt had a um, a kind of unique cut and then they later found a photograph of a miner wearing that exact same shirt they had no doubt so he's telling me all these stories he said like at one point there was this um, young man who had gone into one of these mines and again we're talking like a hundred years ago and the mine had collapsed and everybody was trying to rescue him but they weren't having any success and his mother was especially tormented because she claimed that she could hear him screaming and wailing 
at night, you know, from the depths of the cave. When they finally were, were, were well, okay, for, well, they never got him, all right? That's that's one thing. He, he never came out, so they're like, okay, this dude is dead. And then years and years later, um, there was a group who was going to try to go in and retrieve his remains, and as it turns out, there was an earthquake that occurred and collapsed more of the cave and sealed it off even more. So he told me that somewhere, you know, in that cave is this probably perfectly preserved body of this young man with all his clothes and whatever gear he had and stuff in this cave. It didn't like creepy stuff like that. But anyway, they were very, very nice. And the lady told me that there have been some pretty wild ghost photographs taken around there. And I said, oh yeah? Like what? And she said, well, there was a woman who used to work here and she took a photograph of one of the windows of one of these buildings and there was a ghost in the window. And she said the woman put the picture in a frame and for a while it was hanging on the wall and I took a picture of that picture and I said well I'd love to see that and she goes well here you go and she pulls out her cell phone and she showed me this picture of that framed picture that she took and it is one of the the spookier images I've ever seen you're looking at a window and there is a figure standing in the window that to me, I guess the best way I can describe it is it kind of looks like Robert the Haunted Doll standing in the window looking out. And I was like, oh my God, that is crazy. Can you please text that to me? And she said, yeah, sure. So she sent me that photograph. And I'm going to post that photograph uh, today on my Twitter feed so that you can go and look at it yourself. Now, uh, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this photograph because, again, you know, this is kind of anecdotal and we're talking like it's two generations removed. She took a picture of a picture, etc., etc. So I'm not going to, you know, vouch for the authenticity of how this uh, was produced. But uh, I think I might be the first person to ever actually make this available through the internet uh so just go to uh, my twitter feed you can access it through joshuapwarren.com of course i'm at joshuapwarren and you can go look at this picture that this lady took of the picture that this lady took showing this creepy figure standing in one of the windows there at the old ghost town and uh, so, I mean, it was uh, just really great. You know, we, we, we stood there and talked to them for, I'm sure, a half hour or something like that. And uh, it was getting kind of stormy outside. And, and so, we you know, we, we moved along. Uh, there is also a place there called uh, a Mystery Hill. And, and we have a Mystery Hill in Western North Carolina as well. And it's one of those places where you have an attraction where a house is sort of built at a slant with all these weird angles and water seems to run uphill and balls seem to flow up uh, or roll uphill and all that kind of stuff. Um, And so the fellow who worked there 
uh, took me and Lauren, just the two of us, on a guided tour of uh, the Mystery Hill, and he was really cool, and he had a great patter, and uh, so uh, we, 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 we walked all around this little ghost town, and it, I swear, there was just such an eerie feeling, and I said, okay, this is definitely a, a cool place for us to take a, a reading with the DT meter. And so, uh, after we'd gone through the ghost town, we just pulled off to the side, like like right there where the ghost town is, there's a parking lot, and we pulled off to the side of the parking lot. We took a measurement, and it was normal. So, that goes to show you once again, um, the measurement that I got north of Vegas on my way to Area 51 was, and still is, Anomalous. Uh, I don't know how to explain that measurement, but we didn't get a measurement on the DT meter this time uh, that was anything notable. So, we had this fun experience at the uh, the Calico Ghost Town. And again, uh, go to joshuapwarren.com check out my twitter feed you can see the picture and uh, that the, the lady showed me and make of it what you will so then we decided well it's time for some food well near that spot I mean like just a mile or two down the road is the world famous Peggy Sue's Cafe and so uh, this is like a 1950s diner I guess it's called Peggy Sue's Diner is what it's called. And so we decided to go to Peggy Sue's Diner. So we go to Peggy Sue's. um, Really cool place. Lauren had um, the the classic Peggy Sue's, you know, cheeseburger. And, you know, I I had a good meal. And then after that, um, we went outside where they have the diner soar park as they call it where where they have these statues of dinosaurs and they have king kong and there's a pond there with all of these turtles that are the most sociable turtles i've ever seen like the these turtles they're trying their best to get out of the pond to come up and visit with you it was really weird I guess, I mean, I'm sure they're used to just being fed by somebody, but these turtles were very sociable. Um, but the thing is, as we were on the way driving from the ghost town to Peggy Sue's diner, we ended up in the middle of a terrible sandstorm. And, you know, being from the eastern part of the country, I am still learning about the sandstorm stuff. Uh, like for example about a week ago one night Lauren and I were here at our condo in Las Vegas and the weather was perfectly nice and then like 10 minutes later all of a sudden and I kid you not it sounded like there was a crowd of women screaming bloody murder and wailing outside of our door and we both got goosebumps we're like what the hell is going on and this, and then, and then our cell phones started going meh, 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 meh. And we started getting these alerts and warnings saying, "Oh, sandstorm, sandstorm!" And there was this horrific sandstorm that was just blasting this whole building for about an hour. 
I mean, you look out the window, and I got my video camera, and I videotaped this, so at some point, you know, I'll probably post this. The, the, the trees outside were bending over as if they were in hurricane-force winds, and there was just blinding blasts of, of, of tan and white streaks just going by. And, uh, you know, you hear the stories about the banshees in Ireland. I swear it was just a blood-curdling chorus of screams is what it sounded like as this sandstorm whipped through. So I had that experience recently. So here we are now driving from the ghost town to Peggy Sue's diner. And all of a sudden, one of these sandstorms whips up. And this was, um, you know, like probably 4.30 in the afternoon. You couldn't see anything. Everything around you was white. We had to pull over on the side of the road and probably sat there for a good 15 to 20 minutes on the side of the road waiting for this to to go by. And, you know, I mentioned in part one of this... um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And if you've seen that movie, there is a sandstorm that's depicted where, you know, Johnny Depp's trying to, you know, cover his mouth with a scarf and keep dust out of his beard. Like, that's real. That's no bullshit, okay? I mean, like, I'm telling you, these storms, they come very, very quickly. And they are extremely hard. And they are absolutely blinding. So... Anyway, we go through the sandstorm, we go to Peggy Sue's, we have a nice time there. So now it's like, all right, let's get out of California. So on our way back, there was this casino uh, that I'd noticed on the way out of Nevada called Whiskey Pete's. uh, And... I started looking into the history of Whiskey Pete's, and that's when I realized, oh my gosh, this is on the map of history, because this is where you can actually find on display the original, authentic Bonnie and Clyde death car. And, you know, I've been to museums where they have reproductions of the Bonnie and Clyde death car. Uh, for example, in Washington, D.C., uh, several years ago, I uh, went to the Museum of Crime and Punishment, and they had a, a replica there. But no, this is the real deal, um, the actual one. And if you're not really familiar with Bonnie and Clyde, I'll just give you a bit of a, a background. Um, this is from Wikipedia. Bonnie Parker, who was born October 1st of 1910 and died May 23rd of 1934 and Clyde Barrow who was born March 24th of 1909 and died the same day May 23rd 1934 because they were ambushed by law enforcement were American criminals who traveled the United States with their gang during the Great Depression robbing people and killing when cornered and confronted their exploits captured the attention of the american public during the public enemy era which was between 1931 and 1935 
Though known today for their dozen or so bank robberies, the duo most often often preferred to rob small stores or rural gas stations. The gang is believed to have killed at least nine police officers and several civilians. The couple were eventually ambushed and killed by law officers near Sales, Bienville Parish, Louisiana. So basically, there was a group of law enforcement officers who knew that Bonnie and Clyde were on the way, and they had a bunch of machine guns, and when they got their opportunity, they opened fire and shot the hell out of that car and killed them both. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the officers who was there talked about what happened that day, and here's an actual passage. Uh, He says, quote, each of us six officers had a shotgun and an automatic rifle and pistols. We opened fire with the automatic rifles. They were emptied before the car got even with us. Then we used shotguns. There was smoke coming from the car, and it looked like it was on fire. After shooting the shotguns, we emptied the pistols of the car, which had passed us, and ran into a ditch about 50 yards on down the road. It almost turned over. We kept shooting at the car even after it stopped. We weren't taking any chances, end quote. That is how badly these guys wanted to get rid of Bonnie and Clyde. And that's why this car is just bullet-riddled. Um, in fact, right after that, word got out what had happened, and a huge crowd of locals had gathered around uh, wanting to, to see this spectacle and get souvenirs. And uh, one of the people there said, quote, nearly everyone had begun collecting souvenirs such as shell casings, slivers of glass from the shattered car windows, and bloody pieces of clothing from the garments of Bonnie and Clyde. One eager man had opened his pocket knife and was reaching into the car to cut off Clyde's left ear. End quote. Wow. So that shows you how significant this is in American history. And so we were driving right by this casino and was like, we're definitely stopping here. So Larn and I went into Whiskey Pete's and uh, you walk into the front of the casino you, and then you take a left and here is the Bonnie and Clyde car. It's behind some glass panes and they have a couple of dummies there with machine guns, one uh, with Bonnie, one with Clyde, or one of Bonnie and one with Cl- uh, one of Clyde. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was just a creepy feeling, honestly, to be next to that, that car, knowing the, the impact that it made upon history and knowing the two people were, you know, just gunned down with extreme prejudice inside. And they, they deserved it, okay? I don't have any sympathy for Bonnie and Clyde. I mean, they were assholes. You can read the history books, and by all standards, they were suicidal. They they knew this was going to happen to them. They wanted to go out with a bang. They they killed people left and right. They, you know, they're robbing mom and pop stores. I mean, they deserved what they got, in my opinion. 
but it was pretty amazing to stand next to that car and see, you know, what the armor-piercing bullets had done to it, not to mention the fact that this casino also has the shirt that Clyde was wearing at the time on display, and it's shot all to pieces, and uh, over time, the blood stains have faded quite a bit. I'm, maybe they washed it or something like that, I'm not sure. Uh, but there's a certificate there that was signed by, I think, Clyde's sister saying this this was the shirt that he was wearing. So I didn't do any ghost investigation because this was inside of a casino. And uh, you, you have to be a little careful about bringing weird things into a casino because uh, they don't like seeing weird things. They don't know what you're up to. But... I guarantee you that car is haunted. Over the years, that car was brought to uh, numerous fairs and things like that, and people would be able to sit inside of it and get their picture taken. How ghoulish and grim is that? Um, But cars are, you know, big metal structures that uh, I believe can hold energy, and I have no doubt that that car is haunted. And uh, I would love to be able to do a a more extensive investigation of that car. But it'd be one of those things you definitely have to arrange in advance. And so if you follow me on social media, if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, I have posted some of these pictures of uh, the Bonnie and Clyde original authentic death car. Uh, Not only pictures of me standing next to it, but also some various angles of the other things that uh, you know you might want to to see especially if you go to my Facebook page but uh, it was just like the ultimate creepy haunted cap to this adventure in the wild wild west and uh, so after that you know Lauren and I uh, shortly made our way back to our neck of the woods here in Vegas got some food, went back home, and then sat there and said, whoa, what a four-day experience. And that, that was before what's coming up now. We're, We're about to head out and work our way across the country to Asheville from west to east to go to be there for George Norrie Live, which is coming up this next Saturday, August 25th in Asheville, North Carolina at the Diana Wortham Theater. Um, I mean, my head is sort of spinning, to be honest with you. There's just, you know, it's just been such an incredible amount of, um, of adventure and content, and, and, it's, and it's not over yet. So I'm only going to be in Asheville for a short while uh, before I have to head back to Vegas and Los Angeles for some TV projects. Uh, so I just want you to know why, uh, while I'm in Asheville, I'm going to be extremely busy. Uh, so please bear with me. I have a lot of friends and loved ones in Asheville and around there, but I'm only going to be there for a short period of time. Since I was there last time, my father had a stroke, uh, and so I have lots of catching up to do with my family, so um, I'm hoping that everybody who 
will be in the Asheville area will be respectful of the time that I need to spend with my family. But, uh, you know, that is the gist of how my week has been. (laughs) And again, I could go on and on, but, uh, you know, just another amazing adventure in the wild, wild west, and there's so much more to explore, and I'm going to be exploring it and sharing it all with you. Now, because that I'm going to be heading out on my journey tomorrow, um, I'm not exactly sure when I'll be able to give you another update on this podcast. I will do my best, but uh, I do want to tell you that I, uh, I'm i going to extend the Emerald Wand for another 24 hours and that'll be it and the reason I'm doing that is because I've made a bunch that I've shipped to uh, North Carolina uh, and Mobius is going to be my shipper and so you have another 24 hours if you would like to get the Emerald Wand which is the last wand I am ever making and making available to the public as well as the money sigil pendant so all that stuff is at joshuapwarren.com go to joshuapwarren.com and click the link to the picture of the emerald wand on the right top corner of the home page and if you're lucky you might still be able to get one i don't know uh but Over the coming days, I'll do my best to keep you informed on what's happening. And also remember, when you're at joshuapwarren.com, click the link to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. That's because I try to leave one for you every day. It's always short. It's always free. And you can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren. And I always attempt to tweet when a new one is available. So, oh boy, do I have a lot to do. Uh, That's it for this particular podcast. Who knows what my next one will be about and what I will have to share with you. But thank you for staying curious. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for your support. And I will talk to you again soon.